My job is to make everyone, particularly Roland, sound way smarter than they are. That's this podcast. Which is a hard <laughs> task to do. Which is a hard task to do, you know? Being dumb as a bread, you know? Wait, dumb as a bread? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, is that another German expression I didn't get? Yes, it is. Yeah. Dumm wie ein Stück Brot. <laughs> Please, this one's a little bit less about death. I love it. Yeah, I think it, it translates Roland into thick as a brick. Yeah, that might That's be. But I think... Dumb like a piece of bread is also good. Welcome to the What's Your Baseline <laughs> podcast. In this show, we talk about our experiences and lessons learned in enterprise architecture and business process management. What's Your Baseline is designed to be for everyone. Newbies who are just getting started with these topics, organizations who want to improve their EA and BPM groups and the value they get from it, as well as practitioners who want to get a different perspective and care about the discipline. Each episode will tackle different key topics, providing context, background, best practices, and stories from the road, inviting you to learn from our challenges and successes, and demonstrating key tools to help you set up your practice and get the most out of it. I'm your host, Roland Wold, and I'm joined today by my co-host, J.M. Erlinson. Hey, J.M., how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Roland, but you said you were nervous to kick off our recording. Oh. Uh, <laughs> why are you so nervous today? Have you done something illegal? Oh, no, not that, not that. But I'm, I'm very impressed by the guest that we have on our show today, and I'm admiring him, and I'm looking up to him and, and all that stuff. And, and obviously, I have some performance pressure now. Oh, well, listen, here's the truth. I'm doing all right. It's a pretty nice week. And I got to tell you, the end of summer in Toronto, oof, this is a really good time to visit. It gets stinking hot. It gets stinking hot in the middle of summer, and I don't love it. But September, as long as you catch it without rain, it's beautiful. 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah, I know I'm Canadian. We use Celsius. Fine. And sunny or a little bit overcast. Perfect time to go to the Toronto Island. And if you haven't been there before... Come up to Toronto, visit me, JM, and I'll take you on a tour of some of the greatest walking spots in downtown. Roland, I, I think you haven't been here in a while. <laughs> what, is the, what is the amount that the Toronto Tourist Office sends to you as a regular check now, JM? Oh, well, you know, listen, we're we, if we want to sponsor for What's Your Baseline, the Toronto <laughs> Office of Tourism, feel free to come and give me a call. I'd love to be your oh, special well, spokesperson. Oh, well, oh, well. Ah, Roland. I, I also know that you love to go and, and take a little bit of a time around where you live to explore nature. I saw you went kayaking. Is that right? I did. Yeah, I did. You know, the Potomac River was was pretty low so it was not that pretty but uh, it was nice two and a half hours on the river so can't can't complain all good hey i love it yeah but speaking of not complaining you know i'm i'm happy that we have uh, a guest here on the show today moritz berger uh, who luckily uh, volunteered to be a guest on our show to talk about apqc jam have you heard about that I have, and I'm really excited to hear more about it. I got to tell you, it's something that people talk about a lot, but they don't really know very much about. They simply go, I heard four letters. Let's uh, go from there. So welcome to the show, Moritz. It's a pleasure to take, have you on What's Your Baseline? Thank you, JM and Ronald. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. And we're happy to have you. So, But before we, we get started for everything, for those guys who want to drop after two minutes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what does what does APQC stands for before we go into some uh, detailed question about you so that people know when to drop? It's the American Process and Quality Center, which is a very august and, and uh, tenured organization. 
you don't want to call them old. Huh? And um, <laughs> it's it's also you know like like the thing with Adobe and Acrobat and PDF. If people say APQC, often what they refer to is their best known artifact, which is the process capability framework PCF. Right. So that's yeah. often used interchangeably. It's a nonprofit organization, and uh, again, they've they've been around for a while. Yes, so that's enough for everybody who wants to drop now. You know, if this is not for you, then bye bye. <laughs> See you in the next episode. For all others, Moritz, maybe you can tell a little bit about you. You know, who are you, and and what have you done in the past, and and what gives us the honor to have you on the show? Sure. So I've been around big tech for the last thirty-ish years uh, as a consultant, as an operator at uh, bigger companies. Start as a startup to, to give credit. So Microsoft, AWS, sometime together, Roland, with you at, at KPMG. Mm-hmm. So, but mostly mostly global. I've been in the US for 15 years. I live in the Seattle area. I know there's a lot of big organizations around there, the tech companies. Um, has that been a, a driver for you staying in Seattle and, and applying process knowledge, process approaches to those organizations? Yes, so I live uh, across the street from Microsoft. I came here with Microsoft once upon a time, right? So that that's kind of a big, big reason to be in Seattle. Lots of interesting work to be done here. But then all of these normal companies who interact with the big tech vendors, they come here to talk about what's top of mind, their top priorities, how to drive their transformations. So that provided ample opportunity for me to sample a a broad spectrum of customer needs and technology solutions across many industries and many sizes of companies uh, over a longer period of time. Yeah, and obviously it's beautiful up there in Seattle. So, So my wife and I, we visited Moritz and his family last year, and I loved it. But... We are going to dive into today's topic because let's talk about APQC. What's the big idea of APQC? Why does it exist? Why was it created? What is it looking to do? So so I think a good validation for, for something like a process framework is the question to ask yourself, if it didn't exist, would you end up having to build it? That that's always a good benchmark, and and the answer is mm, yes. Okay. And then then why would you not just go and build it yourself? I mean, clearly this is what you hear from every company. We are so unique, right? So uh, <laughs> something yeah. that somebody else built, how could it ever work for us? Turns out that in terms of change management, if you get two process people in a room, probably you get three opinions on on everything, right? So just to to achieve consensus. And to end up with something that is reasonably complete and provides you a holistic capability view of the organization, that is easier said than done, right? So any anything that helps you get started to put on the table the concerns between you know, HR and IT and procurement and sales and manufacturing, all of these different silos, without having to convene the board of directors, anything that, that gives you a head start on that and that you can then maybe change so that it actually reflects your organization, that is a, a very, very helpful thing to have 
and and by the way, reality check, if you do not have a comprehensive view of your capabilities and processes today, why is it that you don't, you know, and, and maybe this yeah. could be part of the answer to, to put you on a path where you end up with something that, that could be useful. I always find it really helpful to propose something rather than proposing nothing yes. and having people fill in the space. If you say, hey, draw a picture and you leave a blank board, everyone's going to argue over that. But if you say, here, this is the picture, everyone's going to go, no, wait, that's not the picture. But then in correcting it, exactly. you'll get really good information. Yeah, I love that. A great starting point for conversations for organizations and the fact that many organizations do resemble a lot of the PCF sort of, if not directly, like close enough that it's you know, close enough for jazz, as we like to say, that's a great place to get moving with. Now, what the outcome that it's trying to provide to you is, is what? It's like a, it's trying to get you to a filled out full process hierarchy for the organization structured in the way that everyone structures it. Like what, what is it going for? No, so, so you, ideally you will not end up with an organization that looks like anybody else's, right? So so the in and the out, that's not the goal. The goal is really to aid you in transforming your capabilities, evolving your capabilities, making this a living thing, but preserving sufficient structure um, as, as you go. So, but maybe for those of the people in our audience who are still with us who have not have contact with it, what do I actually get if I say, hey, everything that, that Moj just said, yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's have a look. Do I get a big box of Legos that I can play with? Or what, what is the actual thing that I get from APQC Tangible that I can use then where? So what, what you get is literally, you know, a, a pile of paper or Excel spreadsheet or, or, you know, however you want to consume it. And the structure is very hierarchical. So you get a high-level decomposition, 13 capabilities, like, like HR, finance, IT, you know, operational and supporting and management processes, I think is, is the, other, the other term. And below capabilities, you have process groups, you have processes, you have activities. Then in some cases, it goes down to the task level. So, so not, not everything is specified. And it also gives you... KPIs at every level. So again, it's a starting point, but but again, it, it, it helps facilitating this initial conversation to make it yours. And it provides coding. So think about going into a library where every librarian decides how to organize the books versus one that is reasonably following the Dewey Decimal classification system. That's actually a pretty, pretty big deal that it automatically provides you with a key to, to what's, what's on the chart, and you can then take that forward and, and use it to, to tag your systems and artifacts and, and plans, um, and again, stabilize what you're doing over time. So as an individual practitioner, by learning these codes, I could go from company to company to see how each one has applied that code's sort of uh, process that underlies it, right? So you can say, oh, this the, at this level, this is how we do it versus the way that I did it before, but it's meant to have the same sort of functional capability provided. Does that, does that make sense? 
I think, Jim, you're hitting a little bit on the KM aspect, right? So if you're a global company mm -hmm. in 180 countries, then basically you can buy the code, you run a search. Okay, who who is doing what flavor of this process where, using what tools? Or as a systems integrator, for example, you could look across your projects, you could start to harvest your IP and extract best practices And then you know once you once you encounter the next customer, you look at what what needs to be done, and you're better able to pull forward uh, your, your artifacts and, and prior art and apply it forward. Yeah, I think it's it's two things. So just to be very very clear, so what you get is a spreadsheet, right, and maybe a PDF version of it. But what you have to do is you have to bring this into your tool of choice, right, where you manage your processes. So that's a, the first step and that could be a hurdle for some people but then the second step is obviously you go and you look at those 13 silos or capabilities that you see there and you see what's in there and apqc also do have industry flavors so it's not just the generic one but there's one for finance and up and downstream oil and gas and, and whatnot so they, they have a certain flavor on it in addition to that, when I think when I put on my, my architecture hat here is you get obviously that process decomposition, right? You do not get processes on the bottom, right? That says, oh, this is how I do it. So the first thought in my mind is, well, I have to look at is there reference content for my tool available? You know, when we talk about in the 90s and, and 2000s, SAP reference content was the big thing, you know, do we have that? And then on top of it, you have that performance aspect with the KPIs. Did, did I get that right, uh, Moritz? I would even say, again, I know this, this may be controversial now, but maybe it will be mainstream in 10 years. Do not look at the processes, look at the data, right? So this whole notion that, that you hear technical people talk about of domain-driven design or change boundaries in your organization, as you're building anything, again, serving a business need, right, to, to, to drive better performance, which maybe the KPIs are telling you uh, what, what characteristics to, to look for in, in what part of the capability model. As, you, as you're starting to do that, because it's pre-populated and, you know, stuff that changes together is, is you know, one of the rules is kind of clustered, is, that's reflected in this, in this structure. It allows you to even, you know, if, even if you want to make a small change today, to already zoom out one step and consider, okay, what's in play, right? What is the master data in, in, within this particular capability domain? What systems are there? Should I rationalize? Should I really build another tool? Is it covered by, by something that's already in play? Uh, that, that kind of conversation. And, and, and so it's like, but, but, you know, I would, and this is contrary to how APQC has been used the last 40, 50 years. The, the PCF, again, nomenclature, right? The, the process capability framework. It used to be the thing that you do to document and standardize your processes. I'm looking at it, okay, this is the structure of your data and of your capabilities and of how work gets done, really moving away a, a little bit from this process notion. And it, which doesn't mean that the process work is not going to take place, right? But, but, but it, there, there's this... Even even trying to standardize may not even be the the main motivation these days. Well, you're. It seems like you're trying to get a handle on, maybe even like thinking about it as a SIPOC, 
trying to get a handle on your inputs and outputs for your key processing capabilities. Like these are things you're going to have to design towards eventually with systems or processes to execute on. But the high level requirements are the foundation, right? This feels like that's what this is providing to you because it doesn't prescribe the how. It kind of prescribes the why. Does that make sense? Ish, JM, ish, you know. To come back to what Moed said, I, I think there's there's a couple of things. Uh, one is cross-standardization, I think, is still a thing, even in the 21st century. So it's, it, that is not out. But I get your point. You know, you have a, a second level of conversation. And we had, and I will put the link in the show notes, an episode where we were talking about capability management and all these type of things, which absolutely makes sense because there's more than just process organizations that want to do this, right? There's other architects in the way uh, in an organization that also want to align to a common framework. And I think this is where, where APQC fits nicely into it. But Moritz, um, playing on that notion, who is APQC for then? Yeah, I would, I would say it's most useful if it's broadly used across different roles, right? Different stakeholders. So, so you... Again, it's coming clearly coming from the management consulting business process side. But this day and age, again, standardization, I would rather just automate and implicitly standardize because I'm automating, so I'm formalizing stuff and, and building in some flex there. So, mm -hmm. so the technology side should always go hand in hand with the business engagement And then it's the different personas. We touched upon this briefly before. So maybe you're a consultant. Maybe you you are a functional leader in, in a company. So I think if you bring all of these together, then what you gain by using this, this standardized framework approach, the common frame of reference for what your landscape look like that, that you're trying to bring to life and transform, that allows you to, to really be much faster and de-risk the engagement, right? You avoid this whole structural churn that mm -hmm. can upset work efforts. And you, even, you know, just in a multi-year thing, as you're bringing the next consultant or there's, you know, change in leadership or M&A or, or whatever, um, to be able to, to keep that consistently on track, that works so much better if you do it, if you box it in and if you use the structure that's available in the PCF. I agree with that, but I also see clients really struggling with this. You know, because what, what it does is um, it prescribes, duh, right? It prescribes the, the breakdown, but it has a couple of uh, implications. One is it's a functional decomposition. You know, HR is its own silo. IT is its own silo. You know, these things. They follow a, a similar structure, you know, define the stuff, then do it, then analyze it within those silos, but it's not the same. So I see clients struggling with recognizing themselves in the APQC. And then they try to adapt it to their needs, hint, hint, keep the damn number so that you have the benefits of, of referring to it. But what's missing is the whole end-to-end -end view because most clients today, and, and you played with it when you said, oh, yeah, I want to automate it. You automate end-to-end -end processes. You do not automate a, a functional hierarchy, correct? 
Yes, absolutely. But but you also do not, and and I think this is this is where it's an end, right? You do not embed the logic for a cross-functional process within any one place, within any one silo, right? So typically, you pull out this layer of cross-functional processes and manage it as a separate layer, and and use a composite of the underlying capabilities. So again, this is this is where it gets pretty deep, uh, and where yes, uh, please do not blindly. Just you know, roll out the PCF and make your company look like it. This, <laughs> this doesn't work, right? Um, it's it's more like it, do not even you know seriously go below level three. Do not go that much below the process level in terms of following the framework. Hmm. Um, take everything below level three, the activities and tasks. Take it as a suggestion for for building the contract of that 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 capability, right? How how does the cross functional um, process consume it. Um, that that's a that's a starting point. Um, that that's what I've seen really work best. Limit gotcha. yourself. Be be wise. Be selective. Be flexible. That is very interesting because I've had customers who literally told me, "Oh yeah, we're gonna buy your tool. We're gonna import APQC. We set up the structure, and then we're gonna manage the lower level processes." And and when I was asking, um, "What does it actually mean to manage the lower level processes?" I didn't get an answer, right? They, they just didn't know, but it sounded good and it helped them to sell the idea of buying a process tool and yada, yada, yada. So good advice, <laughs> good advice. Well, the thing that I, I love here also, and you said it earlier, I wanted, and I wanted to loop back on it, is the idea that at least saying the words APQC, PCF, or thing, the letters, I suppose, allows everyone to be on the same page about what we commit to. So we have something to discuss and that we can always loop back to it. Like, hey, are we still aligning with this? When we have these conversations, what's the common terminology we're going to be using for this process or this mega process or this process area? How are we going to be addressing the decomposition of this? Well, it's already sort of prescribed for us. We all agree upon that at day one or actually as Roland like to say, it's first strategy is the first thing to forget, right? So at day negative, you know, 60, we agreed on that. On day one, we're just executing on the plans we've agreed upon. Those plans come from an industry standard source. So it's a lot harder to fight against them to say, oh, well, this isn't how we are supposed to do it. Like, no, we're relying on someone else's best practices and knowledge and internalizing it as if it's our own and then spreading it and working on it as if it was what we always wanted to do. And that's, I, maybe that's value in itself, no matter what. And I'm assuming there are plenty of SIs who implement APQC, but this feels like something you could buy off the shelf for an internal consulting department that could take care of your own problems if you wanted to look inside. Have you seen that that, that sort of thing happen, Moritz? I've seen SIs always trying to uh, make their stuff proprietary. Right, so to be able to, you know, this this perceived notion, oh, yeah. we want to monetize, we're not going to share, right? We want to to take the customer hostage to our framework and our, our way of life. Uh, I've seen that be being pretty much prevalent. At the same time, you have all of the major companies, including all of the larger SIs, uh, nominally as members of the APQC consortium. So I think they have more than a thousand members. It's been around for 40 years, right? There's been a lot of feedback right now there at version 7.9.12, you know, something Whatever. like that. 
So that's like that's like so so it, it it's pretty pretty robust and and I've seen this actually work well in an organization that wants to go proprietary or is is looking at alternatives. Number one, the penetration of any alternative model is is pretty much insignificant. So EPQC did a survey this year. Sixty uh, percent of the people they asked were you know about uh, who who were using any kind of process framework were actually using EPQC. And then the the most common other one, which doesn't even cover the same scope, was ITIL at something like somewhere in the twenties, and then every el- everybody else is single digits. But I would say, okay, so so other frameworks, other ways of doing it, APQC is is pretty much um, the only the only choice if you want something that is is robust, non proprietary, extensible, proven, and so on and so forth. Which is very interesting because obviously the the, the A in APQC stands for American, right? So yeah. when I was working in the process uh, space in Europe, that was barely known, you know, and that might be a sign of the times, you know, SAP and all that type of stuff at, at that point in time. But 60% of our listeners are outside of North America. So for those of you who haven't had the chance to look at it, go to apqc.org. You know, it's not restricted for the American market. It's actually globally applicable. Absolutely, it's it's unfortunate that that the naming uh, seems to imply it's not global, but but there's really nothing American about it. Okay, so we don't we don't make you measure your processes in you, inches. And you don't get a T-shirt when you buy the APQC. What? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> so well, I want to I want to start bringing it to the to the why side of things really hard here. Hmm. And if if you're making a pitch to an organization to adopt or at least to start with APQC on their journey of transformation, what are you saying to them that would encourage senior leadership and even down to process, you know, process analysts to adopt this into their hearts to say, this is how we're going to go forward with this project, with this organization. And here we have a confidence around it that allows us to see the the path forward. What do you say to them? So this being September 2023, what I've found to work exceedingly well in recent times is to not even start a conversation with APQC, but to ask the question, okay, how are you doing generative AI? Okay, which is, where does it apply to your business, which is a board level concern of the highest priority most organizations, according to Gartner, have really not figured it out. So that provides you a really nice on-ramp, even if you just take the top-level capabilities. And it's not 13, right? Because they, they are set up so that the, the first one is strategy and the, the last one is change. So it's you know 11 that, that really go, go to tangible business non-overlay functions, whatever you want to call it. So, so just color code it, right? Just say, hey, Mr. Mr. CEO, across these 11 different areas, like HR, are you using Gen AI? Finance, are you using it? Are you using it in customer service, right? So, so and, and then that also because you have APQC in your back pocket, and again, this is as, as an external consultant, as an internal uh, person, you are able to then drill down to say if they you know if they pick an area if they say oh yeah i'm really interested how what i can what can be done in in hr 
you go down one level, you go to the, the process groups, and then you pick a process to do a pilot, right? You can bring that to life. And it's it's highly effective and selective. And again, leads itself to color coding. And, and so Gen AI is the way you get the, the airtime. But then that also unlocks the broader conversation about transformation. So I've also used it to benchmark the, the digitization of your process le- uh, landscape, right? And yeah. again, you can do it at any level. You can say, oh, yeah, 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 finance. We are mostly, we feel we are, we are fully automated. This is, by the way, also how IT benchmarks their relationship with the business, right? So what part of what business function have I, IT, recently supported in transforming to where we, we have the, the right uh, degree of, of automation and what have you not. Yeah, and this opens so many questions. You know, we, we had a conversation about maturity, right, which was more yeah. along the lines of uh, you as a BPM or EA organization, you know, how mature are you? Which which capabilities do you need to put in? Which, by the way, you, you don't find 100% in APQC. Um But there's also the, the question of maturity of the process, right? How do we do this end-to-end thing, this order to cash? But also, I think we're really getting to the, the meat of things. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling the why. And I want to turn it back to our audience to close out the section and ask them about the why. So think about yourself. What kind of reference frameworks have you used in the past? Where have you got it easy to connect to that framework? Or were there mismatches, things you had to resolve? Um, and if, if you haven't used one, what would you have wanted from a framework? What benefits do you think it would have provided to your transformation projects, to your organization, and to you as a practitioner? We'll leave you with these thoughts and come back after a short break at some music with our second section, The How. Welcome back. Um, more, it's interesting conversation about APQC. You know, it's not that it's just for American markets only, as we just stated a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> But the, the question that I have is, you know, and we, we tinkered a little bit with that question uh, implicitly, is what do I use it for? And, you know, this, this is where I have an opinion to, to not use it like you would have used it 20 years ago following the official APQC guidance. So it's still, unfortunately, today positioned a little bit like a documentation framework with good intentions to maybe make improvements down the mm-hmm. line. I think it's it's much more valuable if you look at business outcomes and, and key enablers. And, and I think there's three areas that stand out. So one is automation. Okay, that, that's a pretty deep one, and we can double-click mm-hmm. on it. Another one is governance, including measurements, right, which obviously uh, also requires digitization as a, as a precursor to automation. And then it's, it's, it's um, performance management, including being able to measure the progress of your transformation. 
Oh. Which very few, which very few companies have have been able to do. So I think if you're hitting these three, it's going to keep you busy for a while. And again, there's there's like APQC doesn't or the PCF doesn't give you guidance how to tackle these topics in detail, right? This is this is up to you. But it's really a foundational input into making you more more successful in in pursuing these quests. So maybe we we do what you suggested, Moritz. Let's double click into one of those three. Uh, let's talk about automation. You know, how do I use it for that? Because we had, I think it was episode thirty four. We had Bernd Rücker from Camunda on the show, and and his big thing was not about um, whatever low code, no code, whatever implementation. It was all around oh process orchestration and how do we make uh, a clear picture out of that big mess of tangled uh, automation projects that an organization does with a gazillion of different technologies. Is is that something where you think APQC can help? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, the, the, the way to get started is uh, to, to go to the right level within the hierarchy, right? So don't try mm -hmm. to solve all capabilities at the same time um, in a proactive way. So this is... This is a bit tricky to explain. So essentially, if you if you go down into into one capability, let's say finance, mm -hmm. okay, you have interdependencies with the other ones. So you cannot leave them to the side. But do not try to figure out IT first and 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 other areas and how you run change and how you run strategy. Don't make that a prerequisite for tackling the needs of of diving deep into finance and diving into a specific process group in in finance right and then once you're there automation um, then you look at again the the domain driven design or change driven design what is the stuff that that is really consistent what is you know where are we using the same terms that have the same semantics that map to the same master data right mm -hmm. try to identify that even before you think about process steps or anything else, think about data and think about change and, and what, what, is, what you can really count on. And then, then, then start to draw some boundaries. Again, what, what goes into these boundaries, start with what the PCF gives you. Right? Again, that's the big advantage because it tells you, oh, I, I'm pulling in this process because I feel it belongs into that domain. That allows you to talk to the process owner. That allows you to, to look at the applications that are currently in use. Again, if you're using the taxonomy, it also, if you, if you do it over time, you can cross-reference. What is everybody else doing if there are some parallel efforts? What mm -hmm. is everybody else doing to solve for this? And so, so even before you do a pilot to prove the value of whatever tool, right? Start to start with a, a strategic inventory, and then once you have this baseline, I Ooh. hope you appreciate oh, it. Yes, of course. Picking up oh, yeah. once, once, once you have a, a more stable view of the landscape, then you start to identify the the bigger elements. So typically, you have you know, at least one big software system that is is uh, central to an area of interest um, could could be more than one, but often it is it is one, and then then start to think about okay, again for starting with data because that is the thing that is of value and and that should be 
the most stable part of the puzzle over time, then start to think about individual processes. And, and, and But again, go, go back and forth between what is inside of the box of this process and what can already be tied into other elements that, that belong to the same domain. Yeah, so so the challenge that I see is, and, and we spoke in the business architecture episode about that, is, uh, like I said in the first segment, APQC is hierarchical, right? It's a functional decomposition. So, but when you do implementations of processes, you know, automation things, you go end to end. So that the challenge that I see for clients is, well, where do I start and where do I end? You know, so uh, do I bite off too much? that I'm not able to, to do in a reasonable time frame, or is my bite too small and I miss the very important thing that nobody has thought about. Do you have some advice for our listeners um, on how to tackle that problem? How to, how to not just have that, that vertical look in your silo, but how far should you look left and right to define the proper scope of your automation efforts? Oh, this is a pretty deep question. So I would say what, what I've seen as an anti-pattern, what you should absolutely never, ever do is to put domain logic and data into your cross-functional process, okay? Your cross-functional process is purely an orchestration thing. And then whatever the process needs to flow across functions is built deeper down into the capability and process group and process level that you get from APQC. But you're right, Roland, right? APQC gives you nothing to tell you how the overall process flows and what dependency it has. It enforces a design by contract, mm -hmm. right? Really, really doubling down on this notion of, of capability uh, being a black box from the outside and then process providing the granular context, uh, contract and context that your cross-functional thing can, can pick up on. Yeah, and maybe to make it a little bit more, more clear, you know, when you say domain knowledge in there. So, for example, in finance, you have obviously uh, accounting concepts, you know, do we do cost center accounting or do we do project-based accounting and, and all these things, you know. So now you have, say, a quality management process that you look at and you're thinking about, oh, how do I get ISO certified and yada, yada, yada. But that has a project management aspect of it, right? You should not build in that financial concept of uh, cost center versus project-based thing in your project management stuff. You should take whatever finance parts of the process you need and put that into your end-to-end -end so that at the end of the day, you make sure that all accounting in your organization follows the same principles if you have multiple. So, so interestingly, Roland, the 13th capability in APQC is how to develop and manage business capabilities. So mm -hmm. I think that's, ah. an excellent, that's actually an excellent place where to land what you just talked about and create a cross-organizational capability or call it way of doing things. I don't want mm -hmm. to get into discussion, should it be a COE or whatever, right? But 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 landing it there and and providing guidance as part of what is already there is actually not a bad idea. 
So it's kind of APQC bootstrapping itself. Um, yeah. Now, big, big caveat, this is also the area that has not seen enough updates over the last 15 years. So yeah. what yeah. you find there does not necessarily reflect where we are now. It, it's more likely to resemble what you find in your as-is analysis in, in some companies. But they also give a little help, and I will put it in the show notes as well if I don't forget. They have those seven tenets of APQC, which makes it a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more practical. Uh, it's still not a recipe for whatever fast food cooking. You have to do some work, but it gives a little bit of color context around that 13th capability. And I also wanted to, to say this ties nicely in with a, a question I had to you more. It's about um, governance, because when you're developing capabilities and you're building this, you know, so this cross-functional, um, cross-organization capability, you obviously have a lot of different stakeholders you're trying to work with, and you have a lot of people who are contributing to this and changing things and trying to work in concert for impact analysis. How does APQC prescribe or make it easier to execute on governance of change and governance in general process? I would say, again, the, the baseline for comparison could be your org chart or your PL structure. So, okay, let's say cross-functional process, you know that at some point it touches finance. Let's say it's onboarding, it touches payroll. Okay, something sure. like that, right? So, yeah. okay, so, so but, but let's say that the, the point of origination for onboarding is HR, right? Okay. So, so they, they consult on or own the overall cross-functional process flow. Okay, so without APQC, right, their, their level of engagement with finance is, okay, somebody in finance, I don't know who, can, can maybe help me to do what needs to be done here, right? So they figure out who do I call in payroll, but then they start with a clean slate, right? There's just um, no visibility out of the box that allows them to understand the process-specific integration needs, and and yeah. and, and you know drive drive changes uh, and so on and so forth. So you have a massive amount of churn, typically dozens or hundreds of hours, to even get to where you have the skeleton that reflects the systems, the data, the stakeholders, um, existing uh, stuff that's going on. Right. If once once you are broadly using something like the PCF, including the tagging, that just gets a lot easier to to identify what connections exist at what level and who do I bring to the table. That makes sense. And and this is gonna this is going to give you the the, the sort of menu of people you need to work with and the and some details on the ingredients of each of those things. How do I organize them besides this is like this is just a, a list of people? How do I organize them into something that's functional for transformation? Because you're, you know, you've told me that, that okay, HR touches it first, then finance eventually touches it. But how do I bring those people together in a, in a meaningful way with APQC as a driver from a project or an, a, a, you know, a program perspective? What, is it, what does it do to help me with that? So what I've seen for, for uh, not just cross-functional processes, but also processes that go beyond what's already included in APQC is um, you just pick and choose what is appropriate to reuse. Mm -hmm. So you, you have a, I don't know, 
call it 60% complete and 80% accurate representation of the cross-functional process, which you, you need to bring the understanding of what the process is to, to, process is, to Roland's point. Uh, APQC doesn't, doesn't give you any hints uh, what goes into a particular cross-functional process. So, but, but once, once you have the expertise what the process should be doing, then assembling the elements that go into that process um, can leverage APQC effectively. And then you can also use it to drive, uh, to compartmentalize the work, to orchestrate the work, right? Respecting the capability boundaries, yeah. you will have much better clarity, um, again, designed by contract, if, if a process or activity is part of the cross-functional process need and it resides within the PCF capability structure in a given place, um, you have clarity what change is required specifically around this, this uh, sub-capability or, or the thing that needs to happen. Yeah, but we will get to that um, a little bit later because obviously this is the how section and, and those questions around how will be there. But you mentioned a third use case, which I think we shouldn't forget, which is performance management. So... Uh, we we touch it a little bit in in the first segment when uh, we were saying yeah you have the process decomposition and then you have that layer that somehow lies across with the KPI definitions and and obviously if you're an APQC member you get benchmarks and all that wonderful stuff uh, to it but uh, more let's talk a little bit about how you would apply APQC to the topic of performance management. What I've seen as a big blocker for cloud migrations or or modernization, technology modernization related to, to cloud technologies is the difficulty in figuring out how to anchor FinOps. Okay, so so the, the technology companies will tell you that in order to have cost transparency, and again, cloud implies everything is variable cost and can be tracked at a very granular level, to achieve cost control and cost governance and cost transparency of that variable unbounded cost, potentially, right? Which is very scary to a finance person. Mm -hmm. um, with APQC, you can actually apply the tagging. So if I'm running an IT system or service or anything, the tagging provides a direct linkage to the cost incurred by whatever I'm doing which then allows me to put it side by side with the business benefit that I'm generating with this activity. It doesn't give you full cost accounting, but it's a, it's a really nice way of tying together IT operational variable cost yeah. and business outcomes and slash business capabilities. But just to have it said, this is not what you get in APQC. That's a dashboard or a, a KPI model that you will have to build for yourself to say, this is how we aggregate cost over it to, to make that comparison. I would say it's maybe easier than you think because once you start tagging whatever you're deploying into the cloud, every cloud financial management tool automatically aggregates and structures the tags that you apply. So mm -hmm. you get pretty competent reporting immediately out of the operational cost breakdown that you get through your, your standard cloud tooling. 
Oh, so I definitely. Yeah. And then, then just stack rank, right? What is what is expensive? What are my top 10 most expensive things? And if it turns out that, okay, there is a misbehaving application that's eating resources in HR that should be run once a year, but runs continuously, right? You get that 1,000 times cost savings. And the tagging yeah. allows you to understand uh, what's driving that cost. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm with you. But that's not uh, your old man's business process management system where you just imported the Excel sheet <laughs> and, and it does it for you. That's all that I want to say, right? There's additional tools that you will have to um, implement, you know, your BI tools or whatever technology you, you use for this to create that visibility. And, and I'm 100% sure there's a million of data nerds out there who will be happy to look into all those different fields and how it aggregates and how it all comes together. And I agree with ah. you, Moritz. This is how, obviously, an, an underlying agreed-upon structure helps. It aligns people, 100%. Yeah, and we've been talking a lot about the the good things, and I think, Roland, you do bring up the some things are missing. You know, there, there are things that are not there. Moritz, you've seen under the covers uh, <laughs> and you've learned your lessons. We've been studying the, the, the benefits. Tell me what APQC specifically doesn't do. Thank you, JM. I would also say, again, um, embrace the and, right? So, so APQC gives you something and there's something else that is needed um, to accomplish a specific task. So it's not it's not a defect in APQC, right? It, it's just a targeted thing that is good at what it does. In, in, in some cases, also not good at what it does, but that's kind of besides the point. But but I think it, it would be not fair to, you know, find too many things that are just not in scope for what APQC wants, wants to do. Uh, those things are still necessary to make you successful. So I would say, obviously, APQC does not help you to dial in the correct priorities for what work you would like to do. Yeah. And and that's very, very critical to, to figure out before anything gets done. <laughs> we, we're talking about it in a few different places where it's like, we can't tell you what you want. We can only tell you yeah. if you want something, how you might achieve it. But there's, there's this, this moment of friction, right? Because APQC gives you these 10,000 things, many people immediately react to say, okay, this is too costly. I don't see the benefit. Why should I document 10,000 things and you know put in all the work? Uh, it's much easier if you start with, okay, here are the three business problems I want to be solving. And then you just leverage the 10,000 things to make it happen. Definitely a recommendation. I think we're, we're past that time where you had that big bang, enterprise-wide, multiple regions, ERP implementations. And at that point, everything has to be in place. I think what we moved on, it's more like have your smaller projects and build up a bunch of those smaller projects and then see how they connect and then build momentum. Because as, as one of my bosses once said, momentum is also a deliverable. Right, you want to change the organization. It, it should not stop you from negotiating APQC as an organizational standard, right? So that's enterprise architecture. So mm -hmm. the agreement is not we will do APQC everywhere all at once. The agreement is whenever we do capability and process modeling, we will leverage APQC. Yeah, amen. Right? Which, which is yes. yeah, demand-driven yeah, implementation. Yeah, I, I cannot support this because I, I've seen customers who 
do it the complete opposite. Who says, yeah, if we do APQC, we're golden. You know, no, you're not. No. And and again, this is this is what does it not do. So it doesn't give you priorities. It doesn't really talk about the quality of your actual implementation, right? the maturity of your process or task or activity. Mm. Is it digital? Is it automated? Should it even be done? Okay, APQC has, has no guidance on that besides calling out the KPIs that at the activity level tells you if the activity is, is or the process is performing, but that could also lead to sub-optimization. Okay, so APQC really does not take you deep enough there. Again, by virtue of the tagging, what it does do, it provides the right hooks for any kind of deeper analytics that you want to be running across to understand what level of performance there in your process landscape is driving what outcomes. Okay, so, so it's, it's, it's basically, it allows you to debug your business process, right? Because, because you have these, you know, tags in programming, we would call them, you know, symbols, right? To, to identify um, mm -hmm. and the performance. And if you just sprinkle the, the tags pervasively across the data that is emitted from your processes, um, that actually can be super powerful in getting a much deeper understanding. But again, the, the, the qualitative stuff, APQC itself, Outside from the tagging, which sounds like a small thing, but is, is one of the biggest wins, APQC doesn't doesn't do the, the job for you. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. So um, when you think about positive things, well, I don't know if it's positive, but obviously APQC brings in some st stability, right? Um, what is your advice uh, to say, okay, how do I apply this now? And you... you gave a little hint in in the first segment to say oh yeah just look at levels one to three you know but what is your advice to say okay how do i overcome shortcomings that apqc have how do i overcome hurdles that i might encounter in uh using the framework in my organization so apqc is meant to be incredibly flexible and extensible so never 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 um take what is there as the gospel, right? So even, even at the capability level, what you mm -hmm. will see, and it's it's only partially mitigated by the 19 industry models, not, not fully, there are gaps for specific industries. Like professional services, you have to make do with a an amalgamation of maybe uh, what APQC has on the government vertical side and then you you try to to combine it in some strange ways but even the notion of product is separate from the notion of services and and you know digital products slash services are not fully compatible with apqc so what it means for you mm. as a as an implementer or or consumer of of the apqc goodness is um you may have to make changes to the corresponding capabilities, even at the highest level, and call it your own. And, but do it in a way that, again, preserves as much of the tagging as possible, and do it in a way that replicates that, that structure as needed. Right? And you will still have a big win. Right? Percentage-wise, it's more likely than not that the majority of your capabilities and processes will be covered adequately in, in what you get out of the box. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and again, whatever tool you use, create a custom attribute that says APQC reference number. I, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree on that. But more, it's maybe maybe to bring it to the next point, because we've spoken about, okay, what is APQC? How can you use it? What are deficiencies and all that stuff? But I'm still convinced I need it. So yeah. how do I get started with it? Again, start with a rapid assessment of your capabilities with a specific perspective. I mentioned the example of generative AI. Digitization broadly or transformation could be another benchmark. Use it if you want to launch standardization initiatives. This is where APQC is coming from, right? If you want to implement global business services, okay, APQC is your friend because that entire methodology is based on the notion of standardized hierarchical processes. Mm -hmm. right? Then again, with, with some, some um, flavors uh, and, and divergence and, and versions um, down, down the path. So find, find a way to win executive buy-in by being able to show value in bringing to life your current state and ambitions at the level of the top level capabilities. That is, or, or, or the process groups, right? I don't think it's of, of sufficient value to get the right level of sponsorship and ultimately elevate the way that, that APQC should be used to a best practice model. You will not get there if you start at the process group level. And it also gets, gets harder if APQC is not socialized um, at the executive level it gets so much harder to get the cross-functional buy-in that is oftentimes required, even if you're implementing a capability with, within one of the 13 categories. And I feel like having APQC be so widely distributed across the market makes it a little easier to convince an executive, hey, our competitors do this, our peers do this, we should be looking at this. And I'm assuming that reputation goes a long way in making a very strong, persuasive case. I mean, what typically what I'm getting as a response is, okay, this looks very promising, but tell me why I'm not already aware of it and why I'm not already <laughs> using it every day. Right? So that that's actually uh, a, 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 to be expected. Uh, in every single conversation that you're having with a senior executive uh, about the topic. Um, it sounds like it's too good to be true. And the excuse is not that it's the new kit on the block, right? So why am I not using it? And I think it gets down into the way that we have been doing process management so far, the systems, the tools that, that have gotten so much better in, in recent times. Um, and again, the, the new applications, we talked a bit about automation and generative AI yeah. and everything that's yeah. coming up there. Um, so I think the, the need to have something like APQC um, is just growing with all of these new things that we want to be accomplishing. All right, then take us the next step. You've got an executive buy-in. You've convinced them that, oh, you weren't using it before, but you should be using it now. And there are, here is a bunch of reasons from, from new technology capabilities to an organizational structure re or restructuring or how you'd like to do standardization for global. So now you've got the executive buy-in, right? How do I actually take that and put that into projects and implement it? 
what I found to work well um, is a methodology, and this is just an EG, so substitute with something else that has worked for you, like the AWS Cloud Adoption Framework. So you start by identifying um, priorities of the company that add immediate value to the business if, if solved. You go, and it's called envisioning in the Cloud Adoption Framework. And it's, it's cross-functional by design. Okay, so you have you have operations, you have HR, you have finance, you have IT, you have the line of business at the table to agree on these priorities. That gives you the, the sponsorship to then identify pilots and identify what needs to be done to implement these pilots. And all along, don't never make APQC or the PCF, as it should be called, never make that your output or the thing that it's all about, right? But use mm. it use it to solve an actual business problem. And then, then you deliver results. And then um, by, again, following this path to take the capability lens, the process group lens, identifying the topology of your domain that, that you're playing in, where you're solving this business need, that will give you a long list of adjacent opportunities. And it would also allow you to go back and to report out the state of things. And again, mm. look at look at this from an ESG perspective. Look at this from a digitization automation generative AI lens. Okay. Look at look at what you're doing and 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 your growing understanding of the domain. Look at it based on business priorities, but structure your report out and your recommendations structure it following APQC. Makes sense. Yeah, this makes is, sense. Roland has been hitting uh, on this topic many times during this conversation. APQC doesn't tell you to do this or how to do this. Yeah. Okay, so so it's, right. it's, it's an end. But if you're trying to do all of this without APQC, um, that will, will definitely slow you down, limit your success. Now all the people in process management groups will be super disappointed because it says, oh yeah, don't follow the APQC guidance. And they're all eager to document processes and, and create big maps and all that type of stuff. So I think this is one of the key takeaways <laughs> here um, for our friends who are actually our target group of this podcast here, you know, people who run architecture organizations. It's like, it's not a means in itself. It's not the purpose of your existence. It's just a tool that you combine with your uh, methodologies that you use. And, and thanks for mentioning the AWS framework. And you have to combine this to a thing that applies to what your organization needs. Because in my experience, no organization screamed for, give me more process maps. Right? They're screaming for, make my process go faster or implement the system and all these type of things. So maybe just a little reality check for our friends who, who run architecture organizations. <laughs> fair and fair. But I, I think this is actually a really good place to cap off this episode. I, I, I There's so much more we can go into. Malitz. We'd love to have you back someday to go through maybe an implementation project st structure using APQC as a guide. Uh, there's a lot of things we can do, but this is but a one-hour jaunt into the the world that you have lived in for many years. And we're going to leave our audience with a question before we go to our final thoughts and conclusions, which is thinking about 
your organization and its needs and goals. Where do you see the APQC framework and or the PCF helping to harmonize the framework that you have today and drive forward lasting and sustainable change? How, how could you see yourself getting started using that PCF for you and your organization? What steps have you heard that you like? What steps are you doing already? And what steps maybe will change the way you do things? We'll leave you for a moment and come back with our final thoughts. Keep me And welcome back. Uh, Moritz, this was a very excellent conversation about APQC and why you should use it and and what are the use cases that you use it and how you implement it and what the do's and don'ts uh, of applying a framework like APQC is. Um, but obviously, there will be tons of more questions around it. And, and one of the urgent questions is, well, if I want to talk more to that Moritz person, how do I reach him? You know, where, where, where in the big interwebs can I find Moritz Berger? I would say just, just find me on LinkedIn. Always happy to make new connections. And if you're passionate about APQC, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, and obviously we will put links into the show notes. So a public service announcement, as always, don't note anything down while driving. Um, but also <laughs> I like to reiterate, and I said it before, we had an episode about capabilities that I will also link into the show notes, which I think is a good um, a complimentary listen to, to this episode here. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about uh, how do you manage capabilities for your organization and APKC is a good tool to help you with this. And of course, speaking about things you've linked, this is a great time to continue to pitch whatsyourbaseline.com. That's where you're going to find a ton of the things we've talked about today, the whole show notes, lots of details, lots of great links for you. This is a fantastic place for this episode specifically, whatsyourbaseline.com slash episode 54, where you can find tons more information. And we'd love to see your feedback, get comments, everything from likes and shares, all the good social stuff you can do for the What's Your Baseline podcast, please feel free to interact with us on LinkedIn. We love getting that feedback and engaging in discussion. But Moritz, it's been a fantastic show to have you on. I'm so glad we had a chance to go through this. I know a lot of folks have got a lot of questions and APQC has been confusing for them. This has given me a lot of clarity around it, and I'm so glad we had a chance to chat about it today. And hopefully, audience, You've had a great time too. We'll be back with more information, including a visual short on how all this might work. But until we see you there, friends, I've been J.M. Erlinson. I am Moritz Berger. And my name is Ronald Wood. And we will see you in the next one. 